0: Hello everyone, welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you?
1: Doing well, Sean. How are you doing, buddy?
0: Doing fantastic. Uh, Kentucky is also doing very well right now, Derek. They continue to climb up to number four in the net rankings today. Ken Palm, moving toward those elite categories, those teams that you look at on paper and say, wow, that, that's a team that can make a Final Four run possibly win a national championship and then they won a game last night in a way I don't think a lot of people expect them to go to Alabama and win the way that they did especially with the defensive effort they had 66 to 55 another really good win for a team right now that that I think is probably going to be one of the favorites to win the whole thing here in about four or five weeks
1: yeah if you were expecting a high scoring up and down kind of game um, yeah at least in terms of high scoring it was not that (laughs) it was uh if you're Kentucky, you put it in the in the frame that you held a Nate Oates team to one of its worst performances since he's been at Alabama. Offensively, they go three for thirty from the three point line. A cool ten percent there uh, for the game. What they shoot twenty eight percent. Uh, Alabama did for the whole game. So you hold them to fifty five points, and for Kentucky, uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a beautiful offensive performance, not not at all, only scored 66 points, but how, how surprised are you, Sean, whenever you look at it, that they only scored 66, yet five guys end up in double figures?
0: Yeah, and you know, you have the unlikely hero there in Damian Collins, you had Tata with 15, and then four guys with 10, and it's just the, the balance, and it's a it's a different guy every single night with this team, and Savir Wheeler doesn't record a point. He hasn't hit a shot in two games, but Kentucky still finds a way to win by 11 points. I just think that when you look at this team, it's not the most talented team in college basketball. I think I've been saying that for a while, but when you look at what they do and how they feed off one another, it feels like one of the most complete teams in college basketball because Mm -hmm. it's been somebody different every single game, Derek, or you can have Savir go for 30, against Carolina, and then not, not having score but three points against Vandy and Alabama, and Kentucky still wins. Like, that, that's that been the story about this team now for, what, since the Notre Dame game?
1: No question. I mean, you, you look at the stat sheet last night, and, uh, I mean, just – you have a night where Kellen Grady, credit Alabama, they basically let him have no space whatsoever. So, he only takes three threes, the whole nine. He hits two of them, which was good. I uh, hit that kind of the dagger there at the end. I think they were gonna win regardless, but uh hit the three point shot there to put him up thirteen with around two minutes left. Um, I did not think Oscar played well at all, but you look up and he had fifteen boards, so he got to his average. but offensively, he missed so many shots around the rim. Um, poor guy finished four for thirteen, and I don't think he took but what one or two jump shots, yeah. something like that. so I mean he was he was pretty poor around the rim last night uh dropping dropping passes just a little surprising but you know not everyone's gonna play great every single night and that leads you to a guy who I don't think had played a significant minute (laughs) how long (laughs) but Damian Collins uh I don't even know I don't even know how long it's been since uh you looked up and, and thought of Damian Collins contributing seriously to a victory but he plays nine minutes scores 10 points and grabs six rebounds uh, and he hit all six of his free throws. How about that? To me, that might have been – it might sound silly to say, to go into a hostile environment as a freshman and hit all six of your free throw attempts when you've barely played the past few mo- – or, you know, past probably month or so. I thought that was a really impressive performance by him. And go and like you were saying, I think it goes to show how deep this team is. That You can have a night where, you know, if some other guys around the country have 10 and 15, you're probably praising them pretty hard. But for us, you know, you just become so used to Oscar – doing this that you kind of view it as not one of his better games. And Damian Collins came in and I thought really helped them win that game last night. Uh, along those lines though, Sean, I, I did not listen this was my first game. I didn't cover. So I did not listen live or really look at many comments outside of Twitter that Calipari had with what Collins did last night, though. I still have my doubts that he's actually going to be a 15 minute night guy. Like uh, Cal said.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you know, that was a, a topic going into yesterday's game. People wondering, you know, had the, was the rotation set? I, I still think that the main rotation is set, but now you get in a pinch, and, and credit to Cal, like they saw something on film there where Alabama likes to collapse when guards get downhill and get in the paint, and that's where Damian makes an impact over top of Oscar. Like Oscar's not going to – Oscar doesn't have the athletic ability to go catch some of those lobs that Damian Collins did or some of those plays at the rim. I know Oscar got the one there at the end to get his double double, but but Damien was able to make an impact. And I thought that the the design was best when it was Titai Washington getting downhill because uh Titae and Savir are so different. Like Savir is more has to get to the rim. He's not going to pull up and, and hit that little floater eight, nine, ten feet consistently. Well, you've seen Tita do that when he was the guy getting downhill they had to commit because he can get to that shot. That's probably where he's best at is in that mid-range game. And that just left Damien on the backside just wide open for some of those lobs. I'd like to go back and look at some of the plays that he got open off of. And I, I think Tata was the, uh, the main guy with the ball in his hands. I know one of them was Mintz, but the credit to Cal. I know Cal said that uh, pretty much uh, I think it was like a dream that he had. He, he woke up and he something told him, lob, lob, lob. And that Damian Collins was going to kind of be that guy in this game for him. And credit to Damian too, Derek. He he stayed committed to his role, and he was prepared, and he took advantage of it. Does, does he play against South Carolina? Does he play against Florida? I don't know, but at least you know now that if you need to call his number for a segment, he he can go in and give you something in a pinch, especially if the game plan kind of suits him. He he benefit he benefited because Alabama the way that they played there defensively, he was able to make an impact.
1: Yeah. You look at the schedule, they play Alabama uh, two two weekends from now, too. So, you know, they'll see those guys that are up on February the 19th. Uh, a couple other guys I wanted to highlight without going back and really digging too much into it. I thought Sevier Wheeler had a good night. Um, didn't score a point, went 0 for 4, and he also had four turnovers. But, he also had three still, seven assists. You can just tell when he's in the game, like his ability to get into the lane is much better than pretty much anyone else on the team. And uh I think he might have had another assist had Oscar not blown a layup. Yeah. I want to say he he was the one who made that pass. Um at a point in the game, it's sort of a pretty big miss for Oscar because uh Quinnerly went down, and I think laid it up, might have made it a four point game, no a six point game. Or, no, 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 it did make it a four-point game. I think it could have been 41-33, right? And instead it was 39-35, I want to say, after that. But um, to go along the lines, and I would agree with the national people who are tweeting about how, you know, Kentucky can win a game where it needs to score 100. It can also win games like this. And I think that's true for this team, but it's not necessarily – I think all of Cal's best teams have been like that, though, where, uh, you know, Think about the 2012 national title team played in the Sweet 16 against Indiana and won that game, what, like 102 to 90? Yeah. Something like that. I mean, they had a game in the tournament where they had to put up 100 points. Um, maybe the defense wasn't as good that night, but they were able to score at will. And then I don't know if they had any other games in the tournament where they didn't score. I, well, I guess the final score in the national title game was, what, 67-59? So, yeah, somewhat like yeah, some, somewhat like last night, we're at 6 uh, Of course, they got a big lead that game in the first half uh, back against Kansas. So, um, no, I'm, I'm all in on this team thinking they can certainly make a Final Four run. A lot of this is going to come down to matchups like always, but it is tough, though. Like, there are not many teams in college basketball. There's some, but there are not many who have an answer on the boards for Oscar consistently who have a four, who can stretch out the way Keon can and do some good things, and then have to have the guard play. Like, I think if you're Alabama, you executed your game plan on Kellen Grady perfectly last night. You did. He His first three of the night that he made was off of a kind of a – I wouldn't say fluky play, but it was – I mean, I think Oscar missed another layup, (laughs) and he got his own rebound, and, like, I think someone went in to try to get a board and just kind of left Kellen free. Um, So – that happened, and then the last one, uh, I don't remember his other three. I don't remember the three that he missed, if it was early, late, or whenever it was, but his one there at the end comes when they're trying to double team and just try to get a turnover late in the game. So, besides that, you made him work incredibly hard, and he only scored ten points. So, I think you feel pretty good about that, but yet, other guys step up. Ty Ty didn't shoot the ball that great either, but he hit some big shots uh, there at the end of the half- first half. He had, a—I think, a couple. Hits the big three to put him up by 14 there in the second half and um you know Oscar did just enough but then you get that contribution from Damian Collins you look at the box score Jacob Toppin didn't have a huge night by any means but even him putting the ball on the deck making a spin move on Davis and getting another rim and finishing that's just a luxury i think to have there are not a ton of teams that have guys who can come off the bench and make a play like that
0: no so and, and i called yeah. him a weapon last night on twitter and the reason i referred to him as a weapon is just because you know we're talking about well i'm talking about mints. sorry uh, I was looking at the box score here. I called Mintz a weapon because he can impact the game in a number of categories. I many games we've we seen this year where Mintz will look up and he'll have four or five rebounds. He'll have three or four assists. He'll get to seven to ten points. He can he can defend uh, multiple guys on the perimeter. And, and in Topping. I know you were impressed with that move and getting to that left hand last night. And you mentioned you don't think that that's something he could have done last year. I don't think he could have done that last year. At all, and I just thought that that showed his development. This team just feels like it's so complete to me. And you mentioned went a minute ago, and I know a lot of people get caught up in looking at the no points or the four turnovers, but that's now three points in two games. But 16 assists, six turnovers, four steals. He's making an impact. And then Grady, the game plan was perfect, right? They got attached to him early in transition. They didn't help off of him in the half court. Cal said earlier in the week that he was playing him too many minutes. He wanted to play him, what, 28 or so? Well, he played 35. Like Grady's going to lead them in minutes played the rest of the way because he being on the floor is that guy that he stretches you out. He requires so much attention. And, and get this. And I think Alabama's off night had a lot to do with having to defend Kentucky. And I think that Kentucky yeah, that's a good point. and having to defend Kentucky. You put so much pressure on yourself because you have all these guys right now on the whiteboard that you're talking about with Oscar, right? you got to keep him off the glass. Well, you got to keep Grady off the three-point line. you got to keep Savir out of the paint. You have Ty Ty doing his thing. Keon Brooks has a mid-range game. There's so much attention to detail that I think maybe some of these coaches and and stuff right now, it's kind of a nightmare to have to prepare for them because you don't want to get your kids and your team too amped up thinking, okay, how do we stop Kentucky? Because I don't know if Kentucky's really doing that. I think Kentucky's just being who they are, locked in defensively as a unit, and they're just saying, all right, we'll just outscore you or we'll we'll grind it out in the half court. I I think that puts a ton of pressure on teams that you're having to think, okay, we're on offense. As soon as the shot goes up and we miss or we make, Kentucky's running right down your neck. I know Mintz let one go out of bounds last night, but how fast did they get the ball out of the net to Savir and up the floor to Mintz there? It should have been a dunk. I mean, Kentucky's run it right down your neck as soon as something happens. Like, they're, they're putting a ton of pressure on teams right now.
1: It seemed like one of those weird games that I didn't really read anything from too, too much, actually, from uh, the Alabama folks. I scanned their message board on 24-7, and uh, not not too happy They though. It's very much a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business, for sure. They loved them last year, not so much this year. Um, but I think it's one of those weird games that if you're Alabama, you're like, God, if we don't shoot 10% from three, like, well, only lost by 11. We have our chances to be there um, or to, to win this game. And I think if you're Kentucky, you look at it and you think, how many missed shots around the rim did they have? I mean, he could have won this game by 20 points, I think, if you're looking at it from UK's end. You mentioned the ball at Mint's drop. That probably should have been a layup. Uh, there was one I remember Savir threw up the court. Is still a little too far. That would have been a, a run-out dunk. And then Oscar missed some shots around the rim. I mean, that's easily 10, 12 points right there that you probably feel like you left and you could have got to 80 again am I exaggerating there like I don't think You're I not. am no. I mean I think you could have had a game where um you could have got to 80 and Alabama's probably thinking well when we go to Rupp Thailand likely we're going to shoot three for 30 um but again will you be able to defend Cal Grady as well again yeah. the next time will you be able to uh will Oscar have an off night again like I don't I don't know. Can you hold all these other guys down to 66? I'm going to guess Kentucky probably puts up more points and are up against those guys here in a few weeks.
0: And doesn't it feel like, too, with this team that they don't have guys that kind of force the issue? Like, you know, Savir in the past at Georgia, he he would take some shots. He had to take some shots. Or you'd look up and a guy would be like, all right, I'm not getting mine right now. I've, I've got to force the issue. And, and Savir is the perfect example now. I think he's only attempted 12 shots the last two games. He's 0-12. I know he's 3 or 4 at the free throw line. But that doesn't, when you look at his overall stat line, that doesn't feel like a guy that's worried that he hasn't hit a, a shot in two games, like the way he's playing right now. And Grady last night, two of three. We've seen those games where Grady's attempted 10 to 11 threes, and that would be a, a normal number for him. We only attempted three last night. Did he feel pressed to go out and force four, three or four? No. Uh, and with Oscar, the thing that makes him the national player of the year, in my opinion, Derek, is 10 and 15 is a less than average night. <laughs> like, what? That's a stat line for, for a lot of people that would be a career game. And he, he had four
1: stills. Yeah, yeah. And
0: four, four stills. And, and he's going to end up being in the top 10 single season in stills in UK history. He's on pace for that. He's on pace to pass some really good guards that have played at UK in, in that category. And I mean, that it's incredible now. I think that's a career tying four steals. And how many times has he done that this year, though, where he's had four, uh, 10 straight games of the double double? Or, with, sorry, with ten straight games with double-figure rebounds, the first Kentucky player to do that since Julius Randle did ten in 2014. So, even though he had an off game, and I know he missed a lot at the rim, I just – I feel like he needs to dunk the ball more and stop going up it. But he has become a right, right shoulder, left shoulder scorer. And, and I think that he's – I think he's fine. Like, even though he had the off night last night, he he still was able to make an impact with on the glass with the steals, and I told you this. I think it was you. I told this earlier in the week. Now, when it comes to block shots or steals, I'd rather have the steals than the block shots because those right. steals lead to transition. A lot of block shots go out of bounds, and uh, this this team just feels like a complete group right now. That if you take one thing away, they're they're nowhere near as good as what they would be. But when you just let them all kind of gel together and they each do their role, that this is the best team in college basketball when it comes to the do your job mentality.
1: I do wonder long-term if you get deep enough into the tournament and you have to play uh, a Gonzaga with Chet Holmgren, that matchup between him and Oscar. Cause there's one thing that Oscar clearly affected by its length and Chet Holmgren's, you know, probably in terms of his size, the most talented player in college basketball, but he's also, I mean, he's so skinny. Like you would think Oscar would be able to bully his way down there on the block. But when you think long-term, i bring Chet up for an example. Chet's a – he's a terrible matchup for anybody. I mean, potentially the number one pick in the draft. It's hard to have an answer for him. But when you do play teams that maybe are on the longer side, maybe Oscar's not playing as well as what – you know, similar to last night, can Damian Collins come along enough to be the answer in that situation? I don't know. I, I think – like I thought what Damian did last night was great. And if you can just catch lobs – Dunk it, you get fouled a couple times, you hit your free throws, block a couple shots, you're doing, you're doing a pretty good job off the bench. But you can just – he's just so painfully thin, man. And, like, he went up to catch a lob last night and got knocked down. I don't know that it was really a foul, but they called the foul. Uh, he had a rebound where he fell down, um, called for a travel, and then he had a tried to dunk it from the free throw, line. it looked like <laughs> on that one. And uh, it was a good defense to stop him but the, i say all that to say long term if he sticks with this gets some weight on him i mean he he could be yeah. an absolute nightmare matchup for people down the road i just don't know that it's going to happen this season but if he did get to a point though where he could still kind of like i like what lance wear has given this team but there's a there's a floor like a hard like ceiling like a hard ceiling for lance like he's not going to blossom into like what he is right now thinks what he's going to be the rest of the season damian can bring a different element to your team if he can put it together. But I'm not going to put that on Damien. I think what he did this last night is great. to help them win the game. That's why I didn't think Cal talking about him playing 15 minutes. I just – I don't really see it being that way. Because another thing, too, there's still going to be nights where Oscar plays 35 minutes, you yeah. know, where he's playing well. And you're going to leave him out there that long.
0: Yeah, how about a plus 13 scoring margin in Damien's minutes played, though? I, I mean, he, I mean 10 points in and nine
1: there. minutes is very efficient for a guy who hasn't played very much.
0: It is, and credit to him for staying ready. And when it comes to that NCAA tournament, matchups. I mean, matchups kind of determine how teams advance and, and everything, the advantage. And is there a matchup in that NCAA tournament field or that SEC tournament to where Damien can make an impact again? I think that his impact and his role depends on who Kentucky's playing. Same thing with Lance Ware. Like last night, Damien was the better option. He was the better choice. Lance wasn't. But that, that might mean that moving games the rest of the week or throughout the, the rest of the month, it might mean that Lance is the guy that they roll with. But uh, th- this is a good basketball team, well, uh, like well, I think, said. Yeah. Go, go for it. Go ahead. And
1: well, think start. about South Carolina on Tuesday. Not a very talented team by any means, but it's a Frank Martin team. You know, it's going to be you know rough and tumble type game. Yep. Is Damian Collins going to play 15 minutes Tuesday? I, I would – I would be stunned if Damian Collins plays 15 minutes against South Carolina. South Carolina
0: takes that score of Kentucky-Alabama last night and smiles.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: they want that thing, and they they don't care as long. I mean, if it's if that's how the game is played Tuesday night, Frank Martin is tickled to death. Frank Martin just sitting here thinking, please, God, don't let Kentucky get to 75 to 80, because if they do, I don't think they got a shot. But this is a place Tuesday. We'll talk about it this week, I'm sure. Kentucky has, has gone to and not had success. I know since I've been on the beat, they've not won in Columbia. They lost there the, the game that Jared Vanderbilt made his debut. They lost there with the Quickly team and Richard's team a couple of years ago on a shot at the buzzer. I mean, this is, a, this is a place where Cal's not had a lot of success, but it just feels like South Carolina's significantly outmanned uh, in this they game. Are. I know Tennessee really took it to them uh, last night as well. And uh, this hey, That's field, a team
1: that's playing better.
0: They are. They are playing better in
1: Kentucky. I know they just put up a fifty-one or whatever last week at Texas. They didn't look great, but I think like if I were Barnes, I would roll with that three guard lineup with Josiah, Jordan, James at the four, and then if Fulkerson can give you anything at the five or a Kamwa or uh, the Plavchich kid is huge, but I don't I don't think he's really that talented. Um, but no, that's a that's a South or a Tennessee team that hadn't really they put up ninety on a uh, And M. But for the most part, that team we've talked about this year being the kind of team that struggled offensively. But you look at their Ken Palm now, they're up to the 34th in offensive efficiency. So having a week where you score 90 and 81 will do that for you. But with South Carolina, they've, they've lost six conference games in every single game that they've lost. They've lost by double figures. So they have won four games, but you look at who they beat. They beat uh, Vanderbilt twice and then Georgia and A&M. So, you know. Not a ton of great wins. That's not. I know, like you, like you said, I was trying to think back. Like, I think the last time they might have won was uh, did the Deere and Fox team go down there? I don't remember. Um, that's a good the question. Carolina, they did not. They played it only. I know the Ulyss game them. where he pretty yes. much coached the team is the one that I remember. Cal got tossed in the first minute of that game, and uh, that was a good South Carolina team too. Um, well, I say good for their stand. I mean, they were fifty eighth and Ken Palm. Uh, they didn't make the tournament, but they were close. They won 25 games. It's not like that was a terrible team. And uh, Kentucky played well down there that day. But now I wouldn't be surprised if it's another kind of ugly, rough it up type game. Uh, would be stunned if Kentucky lost. I mean, you look at South Carolina's offensive efficiency on Ken Palm, and good lord, 226. Uh, they might be the worst team in the SEC offensively. They're 13th. Uh, Georgia's probably worse. If I had to guess, yeah, eighty-sixty-two uh, in two thousand,
0: February two thousand sixteen. That's the last win in Columbia for Kentucky, but they've only played there a
1: couple more times. Yeah,
0: actually, check that. The De'Aaron Fox team did play there.
1: Oh, did they? My bad. Yep.
0: They won eighty-five to sixty-nine in January, January twenty-first, two thousand seventeen. So you're right.
1: Actually, check, no. No, you're on South Carolina's, aren't you? I'm on South Carolina's website. <laughs> yeah.
0: My fault. <laughs> My yeah. fault. So, 2016 was the last time <sighs> that Kentucky's won there. Uh, I don't know how I ended up on South Carolina's website. I usually go to Big Blue History or something like that. But We think
1: about what's at stake for Kentucky this upcoming week. Um, you know, they're on a four-game winning streak a South Carolina team they should beat. And then I think a Florida team at home they should beat as well. I mean, you should be riding a six-game winning streak into that 9 p.m. tip, 9 p.m. in Knoxville on February 15th. I told you a couple weeks back, I think when they beat Kansas – or when they – yeah, I think it was when they beat Kansas. I told you I thought they might win out in the regular season. If (laughs) If they went at Tennessee, I feel really good that they won't lose a game. With that said, another team that is playing much better is Arkansas. Arkansas is up to 27th in Ken Palm. This was a team that they're early January kind of wondering what the heck was going on because they'd lost five out of six. But they've not lost a game since January 8th. No. Two, A six. Eight-game eight winning streak. They got a huge game against Auburn. If you care about the SEC title race, and I know most – basically no Kentucky fans care about it because they've won about 60 or more. I don't know how many they've won. Is it more than that? It might be more than that. Uh, either way, it doesn't it, it gets you nowhere in the tournament, and that's what people care about. John Calipari has never been good. Arkansas Arkansas's winning that game Tuesday night. Well, it would help uh, again if you if you care about the SEC standings, it would help because Auburn, like they're not going to lose at home. They're just too good of a team, and that place is crazy. And then you look at who's left: A and M, Vanderbilt, Mrs., Ole Miss, and South Carolina. They're not going to lose to any of those teams at Auburn Arena. So, if you you care about the SEC title race, you got to hope that they lose at Arkansas, Florida, Tennessee, or Mississippi State. And the way they've played on the road the last few games, like, would not stun me at all if they lost three of those games. So, again, though, this is – I mean, Auburn's won in the poll. Yeah, they beat Kentucky head-to-head with some of the things that happened. But Kentucky's on the computers like Kentucky more. The net rankings like Kentucky more. Ken Palm, they're five spots higher. I think the way Kentucky's playing right now, they're just as much as a, of a national title contender um, as Auburn, for sure. Or any team, really. I mean, if you're picking five, six teams, seven teams, like they're right in that mix uh, of a team that could win it. Like I watched UCLA last night. I think they're a good team. I don't think they're great. I, like they're not the number three team in the country. So. I would take Kentucky over them. I mean, the only teams I haven't gotten to watch a ton of, uh, Arizona is having a great season in their first year under their new head coach. Uh, they're 19-2, and two, computers like them. Houston's still up there. I have watched Purdue a little bit. I think that's a team that's a uh, – you talk about tough matchups for team. I think Purdue would not surprise me at all, Sean, if Purdue's a – if Purdue won the national title. It really wouldn't surprise me uh, if they were the team. But Baylor, Kansas, Auburn, Duke, any of those teams I think could win it. But U.K., that's just as good of a shot as any of those guys.
0: Yeah, and in Purdue, when you look at Ken Palm, they're, they're first in offensive efficiency, 103rd. Their defense does so, suck. So. Yeah, 103rd in defensive efficiency. They get matched up against a Gonzaga or a Kentucky or someone like that. Then it becomes a have to outscore you thing. But the way Kentucky's trending defensively now, uh, five offensively, 11 defensively in Ken Palm, three overall, uh, you have to feel really good about teams like that and Arizona like them, Arizona, Gonzaga, those teams you're looking at right now as teams that you think okay they have the the making and the metric rankings of a Final Four team. I mean Arizona's fifth in offense, fourth in adjusted defense. Or sorry, no, sorry, twelfth in offense, fifth in adjusted defense. I was looking at a, a different category there, but you got a lot of teams there that are trending into that elite category. and Kentucky's one of them. I, I want to wait and see what this thing looks like. But you were talking about Arkansas. One note before we wrap up here. They only have one quad one victory, and they're entering a stretch now where they're looking to build their resume, right? They've got Auburn Mm -hmm. and Alabama back-to-back, and then they close the season with five straight quad one opportunities. So one and three in quad one games, still have seven quad one games remaining. So that's a team that if they go on a heater here, I know they're on a winning streak, but if they start getting some wins against really good competition, they start to climb up that seating chart and stuff going into the SEC tournament. And, And for the league, I think that's what you want because then that strengthens everything else. And if Kentucky can go get a win in Fayetteville, look, Kentucky's Kentucky's got a one seed resume. If they can get a couple more wins here down the stretch,
1: yeah, and um, that that's good for a team like Arkansas that they have this stretch at the end of the season. Auburn, some Auburn people found my tweet yesterday, which is fine. Um, They did mine too, but like, and I mean, they're out for blood on the internet on Twitter. Uh, They. I have respect for Auburn. I really do. Like, I know there are a lot of Kentucky fans who – and I, I'm with them. Like I, It's hard for me to sit here and say for sure that Kentucky would have won or wouldn't have won with what happened to Tata. I mean, that's sports. You, you can make it however you want it to be. I mean, the fact was, yes, UK was up by nine points when he went out of the game. But Who knows what would have happened. I mean, it's a hard place to win. But with that said, I think even if Kentucky would have won that game, just with the way that these schedules have shaken out this year, Auburn still would have had a great chance to win the league. I sent this to you last night. As of yesterday, as after their game ended, I was doing some numbers. Every team in the SEC has five teams they play twice, so home and home. Auburn's five teams this year, and, again, like they did not make their schedule. The SEC did this for them, but their five teams, South Carolina, which was at 107 yesterday when I did that, Florida was 48th, Alabama was 18th, and then Ole Miss and Georgia. Ole Miss is 100th, Georgia's 202. You do the average at that time when I did this, that's 95th. So you're playing 10 games against teams that really, if you're as good as Auburn is, you should win all 10 of those games, right? And they probably will win all 10 of those games. Whereas for a team like Kentucky, Vanderbilt, LSU, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee. Now, Vanderbilt is not very good. LSU is really struggling. But at the time when Kentucky played them without Sylvia Wheeler, uh, they were, you know, highly thought of. I think they might have been number one or – Top five in defensive efficiency at the time. Obviously, they've not played Florida yet, but you would expect them to fare well against them. And then you got to play Alabama twice and Tennessee twice. Tennessee's probably the outright third best team in the league, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So if you're Auburn, you avoided having to play Kentucky, Tennessee, or LSU three times or twice in a season. So, I mean, that's again, that's a break for them, but it's not to take away from them. I think they're just as capable of winning a national title. As anybody, but when, like just don't get hung up on this SEC. Like it is a big deal for Auburn to win an SEC championship. They might have won what three or four in their whole history. Yeah. If that. So that's like a big deal for them if they're able to win that. But uh for Kentucky, you want to be trending right for the Instaway tournament and the way that they're winning games right now, what they did at Kansas, think of what Kansas did yesterday, Sean. They like destroyed <laughs> Baylor at Crazy. that building. So I mean, like, you gotta be feeling great right now if you're Kentucky. If I were a UK fan and I'm sitting here looking at this thing right now, I'm saying like they're or I would have to think very hard about trading this roster for any other team in college basketball. I mean, this is—they got everything they need to win it all.
0: And yeah, and they have the best win in college basketball. I mean, find a better win than an 18-point victory at Allen Fieldhouse over a team that is also in contention for a a two-seed or a one-seed in the NCAA tournament. And what they just did to Baylor makes Kentucky's win even more impressive. I'll ask you this, and then let's wrap up been a lot of talk about all the changes that Cal's made whether it be to staff whether it be to the way that they're playing what do you think has been the biggest difference from your eyes watching this year compared to to last year and maybe a couple years before that
1: with this team for Kentucky with this team uh, I've
0: got my thought on it but I want to see what you think
1: uh, I don't think I'm riding the PR line by saying this like I think they truly like each other I really do. And I think that helps them on the court. Um, but I, I think, just in general, the team makeup, like, uh, there's this is just like a fun team to watch. They're very unselfish. It is not a team that's like out of this world talented, like we've seen in the past from some Kentucky teams. But Oscar does his job well. Grady does his job well. Sabir does his job. I mean, you see, you see what I'm saying? Like, everybody does their job pretty well and whenever you have guys like Toppin and Collins who when called upon off the bench can come in and affect a game like that's just a luxury not many teams have that can that can do that so I think it's deep uh I think it's good enough but you know like we've talked about in the past I mean it takes you lose Savio Wheeler for a month you lose Tata Washington for a month you lose Shubay for a month yeah it's gonna be hard but that's pretty much the case for any team but this team they're just I like them. I think they're a pretty likable group. I thought that when I was covering the team that, you know, I mean, how can you not like Oscar Chibwe? <laughs> you know, how, how can you not like uh, a junior Keon Brooks? I mean, how many straight games has he scored double figures? How many straight games has he been fighting for rebounds, doing really good things for this team, just playing his role? He's not going to be a star. I mean, he has the ability, like he showed you at Kansas, to score, to score 27, but that's not going to be him most nights. So hit that mid-range shot, fight for some rebounds, get out in transition every now and then like he did last night for some dunks. And I mean, this team is just, you get them in the right bracket and I'll feel pretty strongly that they're a final four team. What, what do you think is different for this group?
0: Well, there was a lot of talk about changing philosophy, right? Like for Kentucky and John right. Calipari, you know, did, did he change his offensive philosophy? The more that I've kind of watched and I look and, and I've watched multiple games now, multiple times, I don't really think there was really a change in offensive philosophy, Derek. I think it's been more of a he realized what he needed, and he needed better pieces to fit what he wanted to do, like Kellen Grady stretching the floor at that spot. Ty Ty Washington, the ability to knock down threes, mid-range game. Keon Brooks not posting the four man. Like how many times have we seen that in past years where they just go (laughs) and just try to shove the ball to the four and the five and post both of them? You're not seeing that this year. He's playing more facing the basket open space, Oscar doing some things. Xavier Wheeler, if you take him off of this team and put him on last year's team, he's not leading the SEC in assist. He no. would be leading the SEC in turnovers, and you would have maybe three or four assists a game and have about five or six turnovers because there was no space to operate. It wasn't that they changed the way that they do it as much as they just got people that kind of allowed them to feed off of one another. And, and I think that's the change. It's not really as much of a philosophy when it comes to what they're doing on the floor. It's more of a philosophy change of, okay, Let's just get better guys equipped to do what we want to do. You're seeing him go back to some dribble drive stuff, the pitch and weave that they've been doing. that a lot last night. And they just, they put that four and that five man on the baseline short corner and just bury them. And all you're doing is just pitching and pitching and pitching. And you can't go under that stuff because all three of those guards outside of Wheeler is going to step back and hit a shot. But if you get caught up and you get driving downhill and you have to help off, it's a dunk. And I just think that, the pieces suit what they want to do better. That was the philosophy change, in my opinion, and uh, I just think that it's uh, it's been fun to watch, honestly. But we'll, well talk. Another more. thing,
1: too. Yeah, last thing I'll say, and I think it might have been Goodman or somebody. I mean, last year's team eventually had to go to Davion Mans as the point guard, and he's yeah. what the third option on this team. Yeah, maybe you know, even so you have, if they play great either or something. Yeah. So, I mean, you have two guys in Wheeler and Washington who can run an efficient offense if needed. So, I think at the most obvious level, the ball handlers on this team and guys who can set up other players and do more all around on the basketball court. I mean, Wheeler and, and Ty Ty are both so much better than Devin Askew. It's not even funny. Well, and, how you know, he, how he many went times and,
0: did I say last year that they had nobody that made things easy for them? Yeah, and, I mean. And this year they have everything. If you, just throwing this out there to you, if, if B.J. Boston would have loved to have had a Xavier Sav- Wheeler or a Tata Washington, and, and B.J. probably would have been B.J. Yeah. Like, that That really hurt Kentucky last year that they didn't have a point guard that could do the things and make life easy on
1: them. But, Isaiah Jackson might have had a lot more lobs at the rim, you know, if you had a guy like Savier Wheeler. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, no reason, I guess, so. Uh,
0: no, and we're not, not your team. team it's just a, that's just it yeah. was constructed poorly.
1: And then you add in—I mean, I—I I think I told you this. We might even say on the podcast. I can't remember. It's been over a year. Like that team last year would not have been if you played a normal schedule. Had the pandemic never happened, they would not have been historically bad. But I still think they would have struggled to make the tournament. It just would have just like it just was not built well. They they missed out. They didn't do a good enough job assembling the point guards. Cal made sure that was never going to happen again, at least in the short term. And I don't think it'll be an issue next year either. shouldn't be anyway with the portal. You should never have a have an issue getting a point guard at Kentucky from here on out, as long as you don't totally screw up your uh, evaluations. But um, I guess the last question I have for you, and then we really will wrap this up. Obviously, Alabama did so much last night to take Grady away. What what can be done? Is there is there anything else Kellen can do? Is there anything Cal can do? I just feel like you got to get this kid more shots from three. And again, like last night, he's not just jacking up threes just to take them. I mean, he probably could have taken a few contested ones if he really wanted to. So I think he's he's being very smart about the shots he does take. I just think when he's so clearly the best three-point shooter on this team, he would just love to get him more looks. I mean, is there anything that can be done, or is it just, well, hey, they're taking Kellen away tonight, so someone else is going to have to win this game for us. Well,
0: they went to their floppy action there in the first half, and you saw Nate Oates just screaming to stay attached. Like, that was all that they were worried about when they would run that floppy, that that two-circle action that Cal calls it off the baseline, they weren't giving him any room. I would like to see them put Kellen in that Spain action that Kentucky runs, but it needs to be with Ty Ty Washington with the ball in his hands and Oscar being the five-set in the ball screen where uh, they, they do some of that middle ball screen Spain action where Oscar rolls to the rim. Kellen sets a back screen. Sometimes it's a pin down, and it just puts you in situations to where you have to make a, a decision from the defense. And with Ty-Ty, he adds more of an element offensively to get downhill and get to that mid-range game. So it gives you a third weapon in that set, and then you put a shooter like Mintz buried in the corner, put a guy like Keon or Toppin over here. I just feel like that's a that's a setup that you need to go to maybe to free him up because then if you, if you don't, Oscar's going to kill you on the backside of that, or ty is going to get downhill. It just puts a ton of pressure on on the defense. I really don't know if there's a whole lot you can do just drawing up and setting things up for him because they're going to jump switch it or they're going to do some things and and try to stay attached. That's just where you have to have other guys kind of do their thing and get baskets. But calling his number, I'd like to see them do that, or that's where they just find him in transition. But Alabama, credit to them, they did a really good job last night Attaching themselves to him early in the trip up the floor, like it was close to half court, uh, they were calling out and finding him. But that that makes Kentucky stronger, right? You got to pay that much attention for thirty five plus minutes a night to one guy on the yeah, floor. That's a great point. It, it just, it. I'm telling you, you're seeing some teams kind of not be who they are against Kentucky, and I think a lot of it is because they're so worried about how they defend Kentucky that they kind of take themselves out of the game. But a lot that's of good. good yeah. A lot of good, a lot of good stuff. Uh, I know we went a little long on this one, kind of got carried away, but uh, I'm glad that we got some information out there to our listeners. As always, the show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butchers Pub. You got three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit the butcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.